Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, more baseball tonight. The Cardinals and the Dodgers in the National League wildcard game. That one starts in a few minutes. We'll keep you updated after the Red Sox eliminated the Yankees last night. I'm still stuck in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I I kept waiting for the Red Sox to blow that game and for the Yankees to win, but they hung on and they got the decision. CFL tonight, Ottawa leading Toronto 3-1. That is going into the second quarter as it is kind of an odd week in the Canadian Football League. There will be five games this week instead of four, and Ottawa and Toronto are going to play twice each. The Elks are back at it on Friday in Winnipeg, 5 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Chad, and the game will start at 6.30. Hockey tonight, of course, still preseason action. Bruins leading the Capitals 1-0 early in the second period. Coyle has the goal there. Also early in the second period, Rangers up 2-zip on the Devils. Blue Jackets leading the Red Wings 2-0. Just underway, the Blues and the Wild. Flames and Jets also just dropping the puck in Winnipeg. Later on tonight, it's the Kings against the Quackers. The Oilers play tomorrow. The Oilers play tomorrow at home. Final home game of the preseason. It's against the Vancouver Canucks. It's on 6.30, Chet, with the face-off show at 5.30. And the game will be played at seven who has the play-by-play tomorrow jack uh, jack michaels will have the play-by-play tomorrow as the Oilers will then wrap up the uh, preseason on saturday visiting the vancouver canucks so there's a quick look at uh, what's going on schedule-wise for the Oilers. the season starts everybody the actual season starts one week from today the games will count in the standings. And, of course, we have it all for you here on 630 Chet. Okay, Reed Wilkins with you nine minutes after six. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The hotline powered by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063. You can email insidesports at 630chet.com. And, of course, follow me on my ever-popular Twitter account, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. If you are a bot, don't bother following me. All right, so the Oilers back at practice today after having yesterday off. And as we uh, saw them convene at the downtown community arena today, quickly noticed that Kyler Yamamoto was not on the ice. Dave Tippett with an update on Yamo. One of the last shifts of the game the other night, he got uh, took a bump in the head and uh, had a little bit of a headache after the game. And I talked to him yesterday, wasn't feeling quite right, so... They shut him down for a couple of days. Not uh, as of right now, it's not more than a couple of days, but we'll see how he is the next couple of days. He won't play tomorrow, though. All right, so no Yamamoto tomorrow. Hopefully, that is it. So here's how the Oilers lined up up front today, and a little different. McDavid was with Drysital and Yessi Pugliarvi, so the two big guys were together. That meant it was Nugent Hopkins centering Hyman and Turris. 
Fogel, Ryan, and Cassian were aligned. Benson, McLeod, and Sevier were aligned. Perlini and Shore were rotating in. Of course, they've usually been playing with Turris, who got moved up with Yamamoto out. Now, I, I think if Yamamoto would have been healthy today, probably would have been Nugent Hopkins with Hyman and Yamamoto, uh, and you still would have had McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Puliyarvi together. So, Kyle Turris, he has been an interesting one to watch. As we've talked about, He's trying to become more of a winger this season. He worked out in the summer to uh, tailor himself to uh, being able to play stronger along the wall, take passes along the wall, win battles, all that kind of stuff. And he's going to be doing it, you know, likely in a depth role, though I, I, you know, I speculated quite a bit that maybe he might at some point get a look in the top six. And, you know, he's still under contract for one year. He's a veteran player. Give him a look. Could he still produce if he's with top six players? Now, this is the first time we've really seen him in that role, and we'll see if it's like that for the game tomorrow. Here's what Tippett had to say about Turris in camp. Turris had a good camp, really good camp, you know, and has played solid down there on the fourth line, and uh, we're looking for a right winger. The other thing is the way I've got the line set up today, I might look at that line with Nuge and Hyman tomorrow. And it, tourists in there gives a right-handed centerman there with uh, with Nuge, so we'll have a look at it, see how it goes. All right, and we'll talk more about uh, the Nuge and Hopkins and Hyman in, in a minute here. So Kyle Turris, you know, he's he's had a pretty good career. He, he was a pretty decent point producer at his peak. He's trying to alter his role on the team, and that is easier than said than done. I think he's putting the effort in. You know, fair enough. Tippett said he's had a pretty good camp. I would. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody in the bottom six, and we'll talk about this. Actually, we won't even say the bottom six. We'll say the the bottom three plus the two healthy scratches that are potentially going to be on the roster. I mean, I think Devin Shore is going to be on the team, so he's the tenth forward. So then you have McLeod, you have Benson, you have Sevier in on the PTO, you have Perlini, and you have Turris. Now, of those five guys. Perlini's having the best preseason and has been the most noticeable. If you're playing in that role, you have to be a relatively safe player and you have to have some sort of a dimension. I mean, you're obviously not going to be an all-around star if you're on the fourth line. So do you, do you have size? Are you good along the wall? Are you a speedster? Are you a penalty killing? Are you maybe not great five-on-five, five, but you're a power play specialist? And that's where I think the challenge is for Turris because I, I listen to those things I just list off, and I say, does Kyle Turris, is he an expert? Does he really excel at any of those? Or I guess maybe even a more valid question than does he excel at any of those things is is he better than anybody else that the Oilers already have at those things? Now you look at you look at the bottom six. McLeod's pretty fast. Certainly, you want some more offense. Perlini can shoot the puck, and he's had the puck go in for him here in the preseason. Uh, Sevier, kind of a well-rounded depth player who's done it before. I, I think maybe Benson and Turris, the two guys who look like they're still trying to find their way a little bit here. So Turris maybe tomorrow gets a shot. We'll see if he can produce any offense with Yamamoto out. Uh, but that's why I kind of see him as, as again, Dave Tippett said it, and I'll give, you know, you got to go along with what the coach says here. The coach is the one making the decision, a, a decent camp to this point, but has he really shone beyond some of the people that he's competing against? I'm not sure he has to this point. So anyway, Turris on the right side, Hyman and Nugent Hopkins, the other two guys on that line today, Tippett had this to say about Nugent Hyman. I'm trying to do some things that, 
may crop up during the year. So there's times when we might play McDavid and Drysdale together. So I'd like to see Hyman and and Nuge together. They're going to kill as a penalty killing pair together. So um, you know, Hyman just gives us that extra depth there that really is. Uh, Hyman and Nuge are both smart players. You know, whether Tourist is going to be there tomorrow, if we put Yamo back there, that could be a good line. You know, so we'll we'll see how it goes. But there are all, all things that. In the back of my mind, we could get to those positions during the year, so I'd like to give them all a little bit of a test run right now. Tippett talked about this earlier in camp, about the possibility of having Dreisaitl and McDavid on the same line. I think they're going to go to it sometimes. They went to it the last half of the last game. Looks like they might start that way tomorrow against the Canucks. We know what a deadly option that can be. Bob Stoffer calls it the nuclear option. So that means Nugent Hopkins and Hyman sort of become the other pair in the top six. Look, again, I think the Oilers would prefer to play McDavid and Dreisaitl apart because I think that makes them an even more dangerous team, and I think it makes them that much more difficult for other teams to try to check. And again, if those two guys are on the ice for 45 minutes combined, then it hypothetically, if those two guys are flying it only, and are on the power play, it only gives the opposing team about 15 minutes to try to win the game. If McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to outscore their opponents when they're on the ice. I know they won't always do it, but probably more often than not, and certainly on the power play, I think the Oilers are again going to have a really good power play. So that's how he's looking at it, though. McDavid and Dreisaitl with Pugliarvi, Nugent Hopkins and Hyman, and then likely with tourists tomorrow, maybe at Yamamoto or other times in the season. All right, I was talking about the battle for depth spots. McLeod, Benson, Sevier, Perlini, Turris, tip it on that. Like I say, all the players, they've all played well. They've all played well. It's just uh, getting a feel for the rhythm of our lineup and using players in certain roles and then how the line works in a, in a you know, in the game. And... Um, it could be a combination, like we've had the two lines kind of stay together, but it could be a combination of those two that end up on the opening day roster. We'll figure that out after these two games. All right. Ryan McLeod. I had him on the team going into camp. You know, again, the the brightest light in the bottom six has been Perlini. Well, I think Shore has been pretty good. Sorry, not the bottom six, like the fourth line and then the two other guys. Um, I think Shore has been pretty good. Stoffer and I were talking on the face-off show the other day. What do you, what do you do here with Ryan McLeod? Like, I think, could, should we, can we see him on the wing at some point? Are we going to uh, I mean, see... there's a possibility. Sorry, Kellen. No, fire that. That's fine. Uh, I mean, there's a possibility of him going away. I like him as a center. I think he's going to be a good NHL centerman as he continues to grow his game here. So he does enough smart things. Faceoffs are okay. Uh, real sound positionally and stuff like that. And he can transport the puck. So I look at them. I, I He may get some, some action on wing, but right now I, I look at him more as a center. So does that, at, at this very moment anyway, make it harder for him to find a spot right now if Ryan's there and at least in my mind, Shore seems to be playing pretty well? Well, Shore's played well, but Shore's played a lot more wing, too. Keep you guessing, right? So there you have it. (laughs) Tiffett being a little cute with me there. 
<laughs> we'll keep you guessing. But I, he did tell us something there. They see McLeod as a center, and it seems like if they want someone to move to the wing, it might be Devin Shore, who has been center. So I don't know. I, like, I kind of feel like before the end of training camp, I would like to see the line of Perlini, Shore, and McLeod. Th- that's the line I would like to see. And, and he referenced maybe there's going to be some mixing and matching tomorrow. If Turris moves up, you know, then you got fewer players left over for that fourth line. And this is assuming they play all the big guys tomorrow. Um, but if they're going to play McLeod, I, I guess I just feel like if McLeod and Shore are going to be on the same line during the season, I, I would like to see it in the preseason. If Shore is going to go over to the wing and McLeod's going to play center, and then I would think Perlini would get the first look up there. Anyway, interesting developments today. 20 after 6, you're going to hear from Cody Cece as we roll along. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We saw a tweet here from Connor McDavid. He spent some time today with Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod. Yes, from Body Break. You know what I'm talking about, Kellen? Absolutely. Who doesn't know Body Break? The legends of, uh, you know, any channel anywhere. If you grew up in the 80s or the 90s, you checked them out. You watched them. So McDavid posted earlier today, had a lot of fun making this commercial with these two Canadian legends. So I wanted to stay fit and have fun this summer. So my friends at Go Auto brought in some master motivators at one of their dealerships to help me out. Okay, so if Connor McDavid has a good season, it's all because of Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod. Forget about the off-season training. Forget about skating with Matthews or Hyman or Fogel or, or Nurse or whoever. It's Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod. This, hey. This. <laughs> there we go. Body break with early Judah. This is not a make or break season for the Oilers. This is a body break season for the Oilers. How, how, how old do you think Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod are from my quick research here on Wikipedia? Kellen. Um, I would say mid-50s. They are they are mid sixties, my Really? Friend. Wow. Hal Johnson is sixty-five. Joanne McLeod is sixty-three years of age. I'm not gonna say sixty-three years old. I'm gonna say sixty-three years of age because they ain't old. Oh, they were also on the amazing race season one. Mm-hmm. That's I incredible. remember that. Yeah. Well, I liked how you dropped in the body break music there. That's that, awesome. that was a quick, quick Google, man. <laughs> that was really good. quick. That was good. I remember body. When would a body break been on when I was a kid? Like maybe in the middle of video hits or something after school. Maybe that's when cutting in on Stu Jeffries. I remember watching it in the middle of Camp Caribou. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Well, you'll have to fill me in on that. All right. You'll hear from Mike Smith and Cody Cece as we roll along here. And Arden Zwelling is going to make his inside sports debut, breaking down uh, an exciting blue. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jay's season, but how come it wasn't quite good enough? That's all coming up. All right, National League wild card game. The first inning is complete. So they're on pace for a four-and-a-half-hour game, which is short in baseball terms. St. Louis leading the L.A. Dodgers 1-0 after the first. CFL tonight, Argos up 8-6 on the Ottawa Red Blacks with 3.07 to go in the first half. 8-6, Toronto has the lead there. NHL preseason action this evening. A reminder, these games do not count in the standings. Late in the second period, Capitals and Bruins 2-2. Rangers up 5-1 on the Devils. Blue Jackets leading the Red Wings 2-0. St. Louis up 3-0 on the Minnesota Wild. That was in the first period. Also in the first period, Jets 2, Flames nothing. Morrissey and Ehlers are the goal scorers there. The shots are 15-3 in favor of Winnipeg. Coming up later, it's the Kings and the Ducks. The Oilers will play against the Vancouver Canucks tomorrow. It's going to be on 6.30, Chet, with the face-off show at 5.30. The game will start at 7 then we have Elks football on Friday, 5 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff game at 6.30 as the Elks visit the mighty Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who will be without receiver Kenny Lawler, suspended by the team after being arrested for uh, suspicion of driving while impaired a couple of days ago. And uh, we'll tee up that game for you with Morley Scott. He's coming up between 7 and 7.30. So the Oilers skating today. I mentioned the line combinations. No Kyler Yamamoto on the ice. A little bit banged up. Will not play tomorrow so it was Nugent Hopkins between Hyman and Turris McDavid between Dreisaitl and Pulajarvi Fogel Ryan Cassian Benson McLeod Sevier Perlini and Shore rotating in as the Oilers uh, had 14 forwards instead of 15 we'll see how it shakes down tomorrow they'll have the morning skate and we'll keep you updated from there I can tell you this Mike Smith is going to be in net he was supposed to play on Monday but uh, he wasn't feeling great uh, over the weekend he tells you what was going on uh, I wouldn't say necessarily it's a setback. I think we wanted to get, you know, two and a half games in. I think looking at their schedule, um, just wasn't feeling right the last couple of days, so non-COVID related. So um, decided to take an extra day and, and uh, work on some things and then get ready to play for tomorrow. All right. So Mike Smith uh, also asked, hey, uh, hey, man, you've been around. How many preseason games do you need to feel ready? Yeah, I mean... How many did we play last year? Zero. So I think, uh, you know, being around as long as I have, I think I know what to expect coming into the first game. You want to be, you want to be prepared and you want to, it's a process, you know, going through camp. And obviously last year we didn't, you know, have any exhibition games and we jumped right into a season and, you know, played pretty well. So I think it's more mental than anything. You want to be obviously feeling physically good, but, um, the game hasn't changed that much in a few months, so I'm not too worried about it. All right, so that's uh, 
Mike Smith, who was hoping to get in two and a half games. Maybe it's only going to be one and a half if he doesn't play on Saturday. We'll see how that shakes down. I know for many of you, goaltending is a big question mark. It is for me. I, I mean, you can you can put a question mark over almost anything. The, question, the, the goaltending is not a big a question mark for me as, as the decor and just how it's sort of composed and who's going to fill what role and who's going to play how many minutes. I mean, it appears Darnell Nurse, as we would expect, is going to be leaned on quite heavily. He's played 29 and 26 minutes, respectively, in the last two preseason games. So, uh, you know, again, games that don't count in the standings. How many is he going to play when they do start to count? I just think, you know, until Mike Smith really drops off the map, then he, he should deserve the uh, at least some of the assumption that he's going to be a decent goaltender. Miko Koskinen, hey, uh, I get it. We've seen some struggles. Or we've seen some huge struggles. I mean, it's only happened, what, I think three times in NHL history that a goaltender has allowed four goals on four shots like he did against Vancouver last year. He had when, when he started a lot of games, he seemed to be swimming a lot in the net. I remember one of the early season games against Montreal in January. He, he was making saves, but he didn't appear to really know where the puck was going, didn't have a lot of rebound control. I get it with Koskinen. He makes me really nervous sometimes, but good showing so far in the preseason. And again, I think if he plays about once a week, he he should be okay based on his history. He should be okay. I mean, at least if he can give the Oilers sort of an average start or be at least as good as the guy on the other end, and, and then he can let other players try to win it. So that's why maybe I didn't give a glowing review for the goaltending there, but I, but I feel like my level of uh, – what, what did I used to wear, Kellen? My worry pants? Yes. I haven't worn my, my worry pants for a while. My worry pants aren't hiked up as high for the goaltending as they are for the decor. Mm-hmm. Like my worry pants, uh, you, you know, are, are still at a comfortable rugby pant level for the goaltending. You remember rugby pants? Yes. Incredibly comfortable. Yeah. They're like yeah. cargo shorts almost. But they were pants. They're a full pant. Yeah. Uh, with no fly. I don't think the rugby pants didn't have a fly, did they? When I was a kid, I don't think they did. Uh, and but they had the elastic basement. Right. Now I'm hi- I'm hiking up the worry pants higher with the decor. And and again, I just want to clarify where I'm coming from here. I'm just not sure how everybody's going to slot in yet. And and it might take ten to fifteen games, and hopefully that's okay. If if the Oilers are are steady enough to get through that, we know that sometimes, especially with defensemen, it takes a little bit of time to fully feel comfortable in a new environment. Tyson Berry led all NHL defensemen in scoring last season. His first 10 games, eh, they weren't that great. Andre Sekra, a few years ago when he came to the Oilers. Like, I, I remember Rob and I taking calls after the first few games of the season, people furious that this guy had been signed to a contract. Then he kind of steadied down and, you know, was a pretty good Oiler until he got injured. So here's what I see. Nurse and Berry. Nurse... Should be good. I don't think he's going to score as much as he did last year, but I think he's taken strides in his game. He can play a lot of minutes. He's reliable. There you go. Barry, we know what he is. He's mostly an offensive specialist. He's good at passing the puck. He's good on the power play. Got a pretty good shot. Hopefully he can do his thing. Yes, he's not a wizard defensively, uh, but maybe he will have to be if you got one of the other guys stepping up. Now, of course, uh, uh, likely the bottom pairing, you have Cuckoo in the mix. You have Bouchard on the right side, who the Oilers have spoken glowingly of this preseason. And he has had, you know, I think at 
tough game along the way and maybe some tough moments in another game. I think overall he's been all right. Uh, probably Slater. Well, I mean, I think Slater Cuckoo is better than William Lagason. Like I was talking about forwards in, in the last half hour that you have to have some sort of a dimension. I'm not sure what that dimension is from William Lagason, but maybe he's still working on that. Chris Russell has yet to play. Hopefully he plays tomorrow. So then it's the the pair of Keith and Cece. And, and I just think a lot of what happens for the Oilers in their own end is going to hinge on how this duo plays. They're sort of been been pegged here as that shutdown pair. All right, we need some tough minutes. We got the other team's first or second line on the ice. We got to kill the clock uh, at the end of the game to preserve a one or two goal victory. And, and I think they they want to ideally lean on Keith and Cece. I mean, sure, the other players are going to be out in those situations. Certainly, Nurse will still play in those situations. But I think they kind of like to have Keith and Cece really embrace that role. Now, with Duncan Keith, first game on Monday, probably got better as the game went on. Cody Cece referenced that today, that he thought they as a pair got better as the game went on. Um, you know, look, we've, we've talked about at least some of the questions I have about Keith. We'll, we'll see how he does. But he's got the veteran presence, and I, I do think he will add to the team. I think it's just a matter of exactly how much and uh, how many minutes he plays along the way. Cece's, you know, Cece's an interesting one. High draft pick back in 2012. A lot of defensemen were taken up high. He went 15th overall to the Ottawa Senators, played there. Then he went to Toronto for a year. Then he went to Pittsburgh for a year. Now he's coming to Edmonton. He's had a couple of decent offensive seasons, 26 points in 15-16, 26 points with the Senators in 18-19. Last year, 17 points in 53 games, so he probably would have got to around 24, 25 points if you're playing a full 82-game schedule. CC commented today on how he thinks he has to play. I think I just got to play hard nose uh, defense uh, when battles low, be hard, uh, be physical, and uh, add that aspect. Uh, I'm not going to outskill a lot of the guys that we have on the team, so I just got to work hard and be a little more physical and try and add that aspect to the team. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think we have a we have a great great team, well rounded and. Um, everyone has a key part, and I'm just going to try to do mine to the best of my ability. CC spent last season with the Penguins. Okay numbers, 17 points in 53 games. He was plus 18, didn't take a lot of penalties. He had uh, 18 penalty minutes, played 18-31 per game, so didn't have to play a ton. Probably expected to play around 20 minutes here with the Oilers. He tells you how last season went with the Pens. Yeah, I think I, uh, I liked my season last year in, in Pittsburgh. Kind of got back to uh, to how I was playing uh, earlier on in my career, and uh, it was just keeping a simple, shooting pucks more, and uh, just trusting my game a little more. So I'm just gonna try and play the same way this year without giving up too much defensively. You know, it, it's it's been interesting for CC, and and I've sort of talked about okay, was he a player who was expected to be an offensive defenseman who has sort of had to embrace more of a shutdown role. I, I know from talking to people who covered him with the Penguins last year, that, that was sort of the feeling that they had and that for the most part, he did it pretty well. But, you know, I was looking at his numbers and at, at some of the things from his career. And he, like, I, I, like I gave you there, he never really had a, like a huge offensive season. So I was able to ask CeCe today, like, is this accurate that you're sort of transitioning and still sort of learning to play a shutdown role or do you feel you've been there for a while now 
No, I think I've been uh, kind of in that role most of my career. Uh, early on, I was playing uh, playing behind Eric Carlson, and uh, he was taking up uh, mostly offensive uh, minutes and chances. And from there, my my game kind of um, transitioned more to a defensive role. And since then, I've kind of been in that role, but I don't mind it, and it's uh, it's got me got me here today. So uh, there's nothing to complain about. And uh, there, there's guys that are more offensively uh, talented than I am. So I got to just try and uh, do my best to be better defensively. All right. So it seems he knows exactly what he's expected to do here. You got Barry on the right side. You got Bouchard on the right side. They can get points. They can shoot the puck. So uh, CC hoping to uh, embrace that more of a shutdown role and likely going to be along with Duncan Keith. I'm really curious to see how they're going to play. I, I think a lot of the Oilers defending is going to hinge on those two guys. All right. We got to call a quick timeout. Uh, what's next for the Blue Jays after that exciting push to the final day of the season Arden Zwelling checks in from Sportsnet thank you mysterious voice man middle of the second inning Boy, this game's clipping along. St. Louis leading the L.A. Dodgers 1-0. National League wildcard game. The Toronto Blue Jays just missed out on a playoff game to get into the playoffs. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, so close. Very exciting. Let's break it down with Arden Zwelling from Sportsnet. Arden, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, it's nice to have you on the show, and it would have been really cool to have you talking about the start of a postseason series for the (laughs) Toronto Blue Jays. But not quite. And that's where I want to start. We'll dive right in there because pretty exciting. I think a lot of positives, but the bottom line is, as I mentioned, they're not playing right now. So how how do you sort of sum up this the seasons? Is it a success? Is it a failure? Or where do you put it in between? It's it's so tough to square, isn't it? Because the Blue Jays had this undeniably phenomenal year and they had so many great stories. You look at the season that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had as you know, one of the best hitters, if not the best hitter in baseball. Marcus Semyon comes in on a one-year deal and is right there with Vlad. 45 home runs as a second baseman, the most any second baseman's ever hit in the history of the game. Robbie Ray in a one-year deal is probably going to win the Cy Young Award. Jordan Romano is a lights-out closer. Bo Bichette led the the AL and hits, I could go on. There are so many good stories. But like you said, they missed the postseason. So they didn't accomplish their goal. They finished fourth in their division with 91 wins. It wasn't good enough. So um, it was both a, a fantastic year and a missed opportunity. I don't think those things are necessarily mutually exclusive. It, it can be both of those things. And I think that's what it is. Okay, I'm going to ask a really picky question here. But when you're out of the playoffs by a game, maybe it's worth asking. Is there uh, is there a game or two you look back on where you say, okay, like that one that one slipped away and ultimately that stopped them from getting 92, 93 wins? There's a game or 12. And really? uh, th- those 12 would be the 12 times the Blue Jays lost this season when they led in the seventh inning or later. You know, those are games that you need to convert. And that speaks to this club's bullpen not being good enough at, at crucial times. You know, in, in late June, early July, Adam Simber and Trevor Richards were acquired via trade and they stabilized that bullpen and they helped that group over the second half. And, you know, in conjunction with the offense playing better over the second half as well and giving the bullpen fewer tight leads to protect 
things went a lot better, but the season in some ways was lost in May and early June before Simber arrived, before Richards arrived, when the bullpen was just coughing up leads and was not able to get games to the finish line. And those are the times when you saw Rafael Dolis getting walked off twice in in uh, at Fenway Park. That's when you saw Joel Pyamps trying to protect leads. Anthony Castro forced into leverage. Those guys just were not good enough. Uh, you know, Tyler Chatwood had multiple meltdowns. Those guys were not good enough. So, you know, one way to criticize the Toronto Blue Jays this year is that they did not address their bullpen soon enough. They needed to address it earlier than they did. They needed to push to acquire players like Simber and Richards earlier than they did in early June rather than late June and early July. I think if they had done that, we'd be talking about a playoff team right now. So does that, is that the biggest offseason priority then in your mind? Is it still bullpen or what would, what would be a couple things for you? So uh, a couple of things would be replacing the American League Cy Young winner and Robbie Ray, who's a free agent, <laughs> and then also probably replacing an MVP finalist in Marcus Simeon, right? And one way to replace those two players would be to just bring them back, right. but they're free agents now, and they've earned that right, and they deserve it for having played as long as they have. So they are going to enter the open market, and there's going to be competition for those players. So it's very unrealistic that the Blue Jays bring both those players back, maybe they can do one. We'll see. It'll depend on how this offseason plays out. But I don't really foresee a world where they bring both of them back. So you're going to have to replace them. You're also going to need to find a solution at third base, which you have not had since Josh Donaldson left this team. It's been a hole for, you know, it was again this year and it will be, continue to be until the Blue Jays get someone with a bit more stability in that position. You have to look at your outfield and think about moving on from a Randall Grichik or possibly Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and doing something different in the outfield. And then, as you mentioned, the bullpen has to be more of a priority this year so that you aren't letting winnable games slip away early in the season. Okay. I'll ask you the one question. Well, maybe you like this type of question. I get I get it a lot as a sports uh, host, often about hockey. <laughs> Sometimes I give multiple answers to different people, so at least I'll be right at least once. Uh, who's winning the World Series? <laughs> wow, that's a great question. I'm I look the the MLB postseason. It's called. It's almost like this fun little tournament at the end of the year, right? Because they're you know short series, right? You look at these wild card games. It's a, it's a coin flip. It's one game. You get beyond that, you get to a five game series, which is five coin flips as opposed to <laughs> one. So there's so much randomness and chance and luck involved. I think the best team is the Los Angeles Dodgers. So logically, I should pick them to win the World Series. But I think it's typically a team. You don't expect so i'm going to go ahead and say the houston astros will win the world series oh wow bang the drum yeah. or whatever they were banging <laughs> the garbage they're not can. doing yeah. that anymore right <laughs> they say, <laughs> they say. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other interview uh hey arden it was great to meet you up and have you on inside sports for the first time really appreciate that, that insight into the jays man let's do this again soon i'd love to thanks so much for having me yeah that was great Arden Zwelling, first time on the show. Good job breaking down what happened for the Blue Jays, where they go next. All right, we're coming up to the 7 o'clock news and weather. We'll update your scoreboard. Morley Scott's going to... 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.